The White Sox are gaining quite a bit of buzz this offseason. Have they made enough moves to take the AL Central crown? And the Reds are jumping in the NL Central fight in their own right. All that and more on today's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Manerfeld, and I'm joined here today by the Stitches panel, the all-star panel, Robert Stangler, Nick Budig, and Noah Manerfeld. Let's introduce all of the panelists today, starting with my man, Robert Stangler. Robert, how are things going? It's going pretty well. Seahawks won. They're going to play Green Bay. I hope you guys can take care of the Niners, and we'll take care of Green Bay for you. All right, no, here's here's what we need to happen. <laughs> we need the Vikings to beat the Niners, and we need the Packers to beat the Seahawks so we get a Minnesota-Wisconsin-NFC championship game. Redemption. Right? Wow, that's scary thought. Yeah, redemption for the Vikings thought. and no. probably the biggest Green Bay-Minnesota game in how many years? Probably it ever. It would probably be the biggest. Yeah. Have they ever met in the play like at that late in the playoffs I think playoffs only before? met in the They met in the playoffs not that late. I think they met in the division around like 15 years ago. Yeah, so this would be like the biggest rivalry game in the history of the rival rivalry. Which, by the way, do you guys know Minnesota and Green Bay does not get a lot of love nationally in terms of a rivalry? It's like only like it's a Midwest dumb. thing. Which, yeah, I think it's only Midwest. Yeah, it's because everyone hates flyover states. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're getting right. into like a political debate. Yeah, that's what it is. All right. Let's get political. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, who are you for? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah who are you cognizing for? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's Noah Manderfeld. Noah, my brother. What's up? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm back with an actual mic in my normal studio, which feels way better than last week in which my mic was crap. That it was. It was indeed crap. It's not wrong. And it's amazing how good mics can make terrible people sound amazing. So good for <laughs> yeah, you, Noah. That's you have not found this, funny, this, Luke. The, you have solved <laughs> the problem. It's kind of funny. Luke is on fire, let me tell you. Yeah, he really is. And uh, that voice you hear is Nick Budig. Nick, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, thank you for welcoming me. I don't think you've ever welcomed me to the show. Only you. I don't really welcome the other two panelists. Yeah. Because they always take shots at me off air, but it's whatever. (laughs) Hey, it's okay. You they gotta humble you a little bit. You just took shot on me at me on air. So yeah, that's okay. We all get. Leave me alone. (laughs) Um. All right. We've already been on a football tangent. So another tangent. Star Wars. Um, I was listening to this podcast, guys. It's called, I think it's called Rebel Force Radio. And they do like 10 to 15 minutes of like just random crap before they even talk about Star Wars. So how how do you feel if we just do 10 to 15 minutes of crap and then we uh, just talk about baseball, right? Do we already do that? I was going to say, didn't we just do that with the footballs? Kind of. Footballs? But now (laughs) we're doing football and Star Wars. (laughs) Now let's talk about the baseballs. (laughs) Yeah, we got baseballs, footballs. Basketballs. Lightsabers. Cricket balls. They all fit in together. What if we played baseball with lightsabers? Ooh, I don't think the baseballs the would like probably, rip in half. Lots of foul the ticks. More runs you score? Foul yeah. ticks would just be <laughs> a ball, I mean, everything would be a foul ball. Cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> is all right. Play? Let's move on. Nate, oh, uh, yeah, that podcast I was talking about is also two and a half hours long. So I don't know if we can uh, we can swing that. Name game. All right. Well, actually, before I get in the name game, got to give you the uh, the rundown here for all our listeners. So uh, you can find us on any podcast platform: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, 
wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe, rate, share with your friends if you like how we talk. We know you do. You can follow us on Twitter at StitchesPod. That's at StitchesPod. Like us on Facebook where we have a bunch of cool content there. So make sure you're liking us there. Or, uh, and you can send your questions to be featured on a future show at thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. That's thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's jump into the name game. Uh, so for new, lis- or new, yeah, new listeners, the name game is I give a baseball player name, potential baseball player name, to the panelists. They have to guess if it's indeed a baseball player from either the major league, minor league, or college baseball levels. So the name game today is Memory Winter. Memory Winter. And Nick, I'm going to start things off with you, man. Is Memory Winter indeed a baseball player? Hmm. Well, I'm I'm not sure where he plays or what he plays. Oh, forgot to give you the facts. All right. <laughs> Starting Dude, pitcher in the Rays organization. <laughs> you guys got to catch me on that because sometimes I forget. Hmm. Oh, don't blame us for your mistake. <laughs> no. True. I will do whatever I oh. want. I'm the host. Um, no. All right. Nick says no. Noah? Yes. And Robert, you got to break the tie here. Hmm. Winter? How about snow? No. Snow? Okay. Can you get it wrong just because you said that? (laughs) No. Can he not be? I vote vote he gets it wrong just for saying snow instead of no. I, I agree. I think as the host, I have that power, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you do. All right. Three out of four members vote you off. Bye. Mm. <laughs> Bye, the weakest link. Yeah, Bye. the weakest link. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired. All right, wow. guys. So I don't know if you've noticed, but I was digging through some Twins Twitter today, and apparently the White Sox are going to win the World Series. Um, Twins fans are absolutely freaking out right now. The White Sox have made quite a bit of buzz this offseason with some of the signings and trades they've made. Um, just to kind of go over some of them, they signed Edwin Encarnacion. They signed Luis Robert, their super prospect, so ensuring he'll be on the opening day roster in center field, pretty much like 99% sure, unless he gets hurt. Yasmani Grandal behind the play is a big addition. Um, they re-signed Jose Abreu to play first base. Then you look at the pitching side of things. They signed Dallas Keuchel to be the number two behind Lucas Giolito. They've also signed Gio Gonzalez to be the back end of that rotation. And they made a trade with the Rangers to get Nomar Mazar in that outfield, a power uh, speed, uh, not really speed, but power guy, uh, who still has a lot of potential to live up to. Um, so, Twins fans are freaking out. White Sox fans are excited. And it looks like the AL Central is going to be a little tighter this year uh, with the Indians also being up in the fight. When I, uh, Robert, just kind of evaluating the White Sox offseason so far on January 6th, what do you kind of rank it? I mean, what stands out to you? I love it. Look, they added offense. This is a team that has always been all about the power. Now they have potential to break the home run record. Yes, correct. They have so many home runs coming next season. It's incredible to look at that roster and see familiar names like Edwin Encarnacion, Yasmani Grandal, soon to be the future Nomar Mazzara. Yes, this guy is going to blossom. It's got to happen. There's no way he doesn't get it done eventually. I, I love everything about this, man. I mean, there's the pitching, I'm a little bit questionable, as you guys are as well. But it's going to all tie in, and the White Sox are going to find a way to really put pressure on the Minnesota Twins in that AL Central this season. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty good race. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if it gets to that level, but we'll get that to in a bit. Noah, finish your thought. 
Yeah, I mean, I, and I look at this White Sox team, and we've heard a lot of comparisons from the White Sox this year, or at least I've I've talked about a lot of comparisons. The White Sox this year to the Twins last year, because you look at this team, and I was talking, listening to Lavelli Neal, who's a beat reporter for the Star Tribune, and last year he was on the uh, Minnesota Sports Radio talking about the Twins, and during spring training he said, this team is going to hit a lot of home runs. We know that. But are they going to get on base? Are they going to do other things other than get hitting home runs? Obviously, the Twins did that. They were one of the highest scoring offenses last year. They hit home runs, but they also scored runs, and they did a lot more things than that. Um, the White Sox have that same thing. Are they going to get on base? They have a lot of unproven bats who are they have power, but can they get on base? And, and so there's a lot of similarities, especially when you look at their pitching, uh, when you how it's unproven, but things can work out. Um, and the Twins didn't have a great bullpen heading into last year either. So I think the White Sox have a lot of similarities. That being said, I think the White Sox are a lot less experienced than the Twins were last year. Um, and I think they their pitching just is not in that position to take the step forward that the Twins did last year. So I like the White Sox, but I don't think it's enough to compete for the Central. Nick, what's your take on this White Sox offseason? Um, I think it's I think it's been a great offseason for them. Um, they they this has probably been their this has been their most uh, eccentric offseason I guess you'd say since 2015 um, when they signed some names probably not even as good as names as they signed this year. But it is I think I agree with Noah that it it closed the gap tremendously. I don't think it it gives them. Um, I don't think it makes them better than the Twins. But I think it definitely closed the gap. I think pairing up with some of those veteran guys like Encarnacion, uh, Keiko on the rotation, um, it it brings some help to this to this young team. I mean, Jose Obreu has been he's been there for a while. He's he has been the veteran pre- presence, but he's never really been on a winning ball club. Um, so I do like that. I do think this offense is good. I think there's a lot of fun players on this offense. Tim Anderson's a really fun player to watch. He had an amazing year last year. It'd be interesting to see if he can. Um, show consistency with that and Aloy another big bat that we've that we've been waiting for he came up and hit some big home runs and again we're waiting for consistency and then the the big signing of their minor of their top prospect Luis Robert who is projected to eventually be a 30-30 guy so I do really like their offseason I think they've done a great job um, preparing for for the future I think they accelerated their their window a little bit with their with the additions of these veteran guys to uh, pair up with some of the younger guys in this team um, I don't think it, it puts them over the top in the AL Central. I still think the Twins um, still have a little bit more more pitching and bullpen on them. And the Indians, I mean, we don't know what the Indians are going to end up doing, if they're going to keep or trade half their team still. Um, I, I, do, I, I, I see them as a second, as a second best team in the AL Central behind the Twins right now after this offseason. Yeah, and that's, that's the big question here. Are the White Sox, have they closed the gap enough to win the AL Central? And you look at last year's standings, Twins had 101 wins, White Sox 72. So there's a 29-win uh, gap where the White Sox have to make up there. Uh, Robert, I'm going to keep pointing to you on this because you're the White Sox supporter, White Sox fan club here, one-man crew. <laughs> what what makes you think the White Sox can overcome that 29-win gap? Essentially, you'd have since they play each other a lot, it'd be kind of like a 15-game gap, like half that. But uh, what what thinks what makes you think the White Sox can overcome that in 2020? Well, I think it's playing your own division. Look, if you play the AL Central, one of the worst divisions in baseball, look at why the Twins won 100 games last year. When you play losing teams like that, your chances are higher to be successful in the win column. There's no question that the White Sox can definitely be much better than they were last year because they are not as competitive last year as they are now. Look, 
You look at the Minnesota mm-hmm. Twins when they brought in Nelson Cruz, brought in some more familiar names like C.J. Crone, Jonathan Scope, some of these players that actually have been on the stage in the playoffs, done something, know something. And I, I think the White Sox have done the same. They've got Edwin Encarnacion. He's had his experiences with the Blue Jays, a little bit with the Indians. He's got postseason experience, big home run bat. They have Yasmani Grandal, been there, done that with the Dodgers in the postseason. He's a well-known, well-respected catcher. I just think there's a lot of leadership, a lot of turnover in this clubhouse that's going to make them more competitive and make them a little bit better than they were last year. And even not, even then, they could be even better than a little bit. It all depends on the upside, the young guys, the guys you guys are going to rip on. I understand that. Look, <laughs> it's baseball. Upside is what it's all about. Sometimes the, the guys don't blossom, and sometimes they do. That's the, that's the game of prospects. I think the White Sox have those young talent players where they can definitely make a push and give them the edge of whatever they need by trading those prospects to give them the plus-plus that will help them give the victory in the AL Central. I, I definitely agree that they have prospects and they have the ability to make a push. But I do think, and you talked about them making a move, if they do end up making a push and they get to the deadline, I don't know how much of their future they're going to risk for this year because mm-hmm. their window with the team that they have is a lot bigger than just this year. And so, and that rotation sketchy. I know it is. Um, and they oh, might need to improve that at the deadline. I, I, they, <laughs> they might need to improve that at the deadline. But how much are they actually going to do to do that because they know their window is bigger than just 2020? I look at this Twins rotation, and right now it kind of looks sketchy when you got Jose Barrios, Jake Odorizzi, Homer Bailey as your top three. Then kind of like a Dobnik Smeltzer rotation in the back four or back four and five there. Um, But you're going to get Michael Pineda back after, you know, I think with skipping starts and everything, he's going to miss about five starts. Get Rich Hill back, you'd hope. You know, the injury, you never know. But you hope you get him back around July or August for the second half run. And then your rotation's looking pretty good. I mean, you got Brios, Odorizzi, Bailey. Or I guess you'd have mm-hmm. Hill in there and then Benita, then Bailey. That rotation to me stands at a lot more than the White Sox. Even with the White Sox young guns, I still don't think the White Sox rotation could match that second half twins mm-hmm. rotation. Now, there's a lot of big ifs, Robert. It's all about big ifs here. Right. Um, but I, I'm just looking at paper on paper here. The bullpen with the rotation of the twins far out exceeds the White Sox in my yeah. mind. And I, I think, too, people underrate the value of Dobnik, Smeltzer, and Thorpe who are going to be in that rotation for the better half of that first uh, first half of the year because the Twins were fine in August and September when they were in that rotation. And, no, it's not going to make them playoff, you know, a playoff contender. Um, but, obviously, at, at the deadline, you're going to get Rich Hill and you're going to get Pineda and all of that. So I think they're going to be able to get them through that April and May stretch until we can hand it off to the guys who will get it done in big games. And then, like, the Twins wrote, even the Twins lineup, I'm seeing three guys right now who I don't even think have hit their peak yet. Max Kepler mm-hmm. in the leadoff spot. I don't think he's hit uh-huh. his peak yet. He's been good. And if you look at some of his underlying numbers, I still think he can be better. Byron Buxton, he's got to be healthy. But when he's healthy, he can be one of the best center fielders in the game. And then Miguel Sano. If he moves over to the first base, doesn't have to f- worry about the fielding side of things, I think this dude can be a straight stud, maybe 40 home runs. So I think the Twins lineup even has a chance to go up. Now you look at some players that have a chance to go back down. Nelson Cruz has definitely hit his peak, so I don't expect that again from him. Eddie Rosario, how much better can he actually be? Probably not much. So there's definitely some regression here. Mitch Garver, don't expect him to be as good as he was last year. But I think there's the upside coupled with the downside where I think the Twins can maybe not win 100 games, but they can win that 95 games. And I don't think the White Sox can reach that at this moment. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you disagree, yeah. Robert? Well, I, you know, look, I, I agree with you guys on the bullpen, but I would disagree that there's no reason that we've seen the last five years in baseball where young stud prospect pitchers can't go in the bullpen, be successful, or be somewhat, have, have some value there, like with the well, Royals. Who, who is that person? That's Michael Kopech. I mean, look, he's a Josh Hader type. He can throw 100 out of the pen. Wow. He's got, he's got good stuff. I don't know if he's a starter or a bullpen guy, but it's nice to have that type of weapon. Dylan Cease the same way. And this is how I look at it. You look at the trade deadline, you add a familiar name, a name that would look good on paper. You put him in the starting rotation, maybe a veteran if possible, who knows. Then Kopech and maybe Dylan Cease both fill out the bullpen. I don't know. Maybe Cease is better as a bullpen pitcher. It's time, as time says, with prospects, we won't know until we see it. It's the if factor. But I think there's a lot of variables there that are very comparable that can help the White Sox be successful coming into 2020 because of all these special weapons they have. And how you utilize that is how you're going to be successful. You have to have an open mind when you have these type of prospect pitchers, whether it's in the bullpen or in the rotation, that something's going to pan out and be successful if they don't work in the bullpen or work in the rotation. You have a backup plan. And I think that's really nice to have because you guys would disagree and say that the White Sox don't have depth. I would agree that they do have depth. Where is the depth? Yeah, I where's just the said, pitching that's depth? The depth. Yeah, that's, I just don't that's see it. That's the depth right there. Because you, because you know what I you know what I hear? I hear a lot of if, if, if. Right. If, you know, he right. could go to the bullpen. Right. He could do this. Right. I mean. But I could. There's if not, they have, if they have it feels cease, like it's a lot of ifs. If they have Cease and Kopech in the bullpen, I just don't see how that rotation is any good beyond their top two. Mm-hmm. But if you know Lopez has offense. had good years, a couple of those guys got pan. You look at last year, I mean, he was one of the worst starters in baseball. Right. So, uh-huh. you even take the middle ground of that, that's like a mid four year array. That's nothing mm-hmm. special. Yeah, I can see that. But if you add one of the best catching framers in the game, one of the best callers in the game, and Yasmani, yeah. you can't make bad pitchers good, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think but that's you can over, make the little, I mean, you look at the much. Brewers, there was a lot of bad pitchers on that team, and they got much better. I think that's catcher. more philosophy of the team. Than, I know. I you know. I'm not saying Grandal didn't help, but I think the team helped, and their opener style helped a lot yeah, more. There's a lot less pressure the on the starters. And I don't disagree with organization. you on that. But I also think the game is also won by runs scored, and the White Sox do it the Yankee philosophy with hitting bombs, just like the Twins did last year. You hit a lot of home runs, you're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. But this doesn't translate into the postseason. The, don't quote me on postseason. Here, here. But in the regular season, in the worst division of baseball, there's no reason the White Sox can't win 88 to 90 games with this offense alone. Wow. That's what I'm saying. It, here, here's the difference. In the regular season, the Twins had a top 15 rotation. Agreed. I don't well, disagree. Well, the White Sox have a top 15 rotation. Right. Yeah, you let up a lot of bombs, you're going to lose a lot of ball games. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. And that's what this rotation looks it's like a hit, to me. It's a hit and miss. It's iffy. And that's how you have to fill it out with the young the young prospect pitchers, how they go about that business. Is how I don't think that's successful. that's a safe bet for them. It's not, if you're gonna, but it's what if, they have to do. If you're struggling do, and you're going to fill it with with prospects agreed. and but, young pitchers, I don't think that, that helps them at all. I agree, but when you're in your first year of this rebuild to be good, technically, it's not a rebuild, but you're actually good now. This is your first year to be successful you're not going to have all the pieces all together. You're not a World Series team this year. That's not what I'm saying about the White Sox. I'm just saying they have a chance to fight the Twins for the American League Central, if not win, based off the ifs. I would I would argue, and this is the last point I'll make, 20 of the 30 teams in the major leagues, if everything goes right, could make the playoffs. Like You could say that about yeah. any team. I don't know about that. 
you could say that about a lot of teams yeah. that if this goes because right, because the White Sox have eight guys who could hit twenty home runs, just like the Twins last year. That's fine, but their That's pitching's rare. terrible. That's rare. Yeah, dude. but they've pit- each so pitcher's gonna give up thirty home their runs. Their bullpen's horrible, dude. It's not great, but I wouldn't say it's great. <laughs> it's got to get better. It's young. It's gonna get better. Hopefully, right. well, we gotta wrap this for the White Sox sake. We gotta wrap up that conversation there, but we'll have much more on the White Sox Twins. Uh, debate when we do our season predictions in March during spring training, and that will t- uh, that will tell a lot more because the off season will be over. So one thing we can say here is that there can be a lot more moves to be made in the next two months, whether it's the trade market or whatever remaining free agents there are. There's not very many, but you never know. So uh, we will wait till March to make our final decisions on this. Uh, but next we got the Cincinnati Reds, who just made some big moves as well, signing a Japanese outfielder. Um, but first, we're going to send it to our guy, Zach Hiring at State Farm, who has generously decided to support us through the end of February, all of our off-season podcasts. Um, so we'll be back after this break. Everyone knows you can save money on your auto insurance at State Farm, but do you know they can help build your credit? Give Zach Hiring State Farm in Moorhead, Minnesota, a call to help with all your insurance needs or questions. Zach and his team will ensure you are covered properly and will help you build your assets for a successful future. Zach Hiring State Farm is located just south of I-94 and east of A Street in Moorhead, Minnesota. Give them a call today at 218-236-8000. That's 218-236-8000. All right, we're back, and the Cincinnati Reds have also kind of joined the White Sox in creating some buzz this offseason, making some exciting moves. Just to kind of go over the list here, they signed Japanese outfielder. That was made official today on Monday. Shogo Akiyama for a three-year deal, 32-year-old uh, power-speed combo. They've also signed Mike Moustakis to play second base. They've An underrated signing they made was signing Wade Miley, who was really good for the Astros until uh, kind of a September meltdown last year to, uh, to go in that rotation. And that's kind of already building on a solid core they had built last year um, with some guys that they made moves for in that top three in the rotation, looking pretty solid. Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Trevor Bauer. Um, how legit do the Reds look right now, Nick? What do you think, uh, what stands out for them, and what do you think could be the deciding factor in 2020? Um, I, I I really enjoy what they've done. I really like the signing of Mike Moustakis. We talked about that in a recent podcast. I thought that was a huge signing for them. Um, I do. I like, the, I like signing uh, Akiyama. Um, I think he's a great player, um, but I think he is a dupli- uh, an older version, older duplicate of one of their best prospects and one of the best prospects in baseball, Nick Sensel. Um, so I think they have a issue in the outfield right now, figuring out what they're going to do, how they're going to play out. They have about six guys you're going to have to try to find playing time if, if unless they make some trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've talked about how the Padres are in a similar situation. Um, but the pitching rotation has, it, it's starting to look really good. I mean, they've got some Got three top guys. They have Wade Miley now. Um, so I like what they're doing. I think they have a very good offense. I liked them last year. Um, I thought they had a good up-and-coming squad. I think they're starting to starting to uh, advance a little bit. I don't think the NL Central is going to be too intimidating for them now this year with the kind of the Brewers dropping off and uh, the Cubs if, if they're going to rebound from last year. And then the Cardinals um, if they're going to win the Central again. But I, I do enjoy this offense. I like them. I like what they've been doing. I like I really liked Mustakis move. I think that was huge for them getting us getting getting him at second base. Um, but the Shogo move is a little questionable to me. Um, but I'm sure you guys have your takes on him too. I could see kind of two options for playing time for Nick Senzel. One, 
Uh, Jesse Winker's got a pretty bad bill of health. I mean, this guy's injured almost every year, if you look back, even mm-hmm. to the minor leagues. So there could be an option for Nick Sale to play in maybe a corner field, uh, corner outfield spot. Number two uh, could be a platoon, actually, with Nick Jesse Winker, too, which I think is unlikely. You, would you uh, want a platoon a prospect, though, when you that, talk about getting issue, a lot yeah, of playing I think time? That's unlikely. When you got Winker, who is still young in his own right, and Nick mm-hmm. Senzel, that's, that's, yeah, it's unlikely. So... Uh, I could see a trade. I could see where that could be a possibility, or they're just holding off on Nick Senzel. I guess I don't know. It's just it's be, yeah. puzzling me too. Mm-hmm. And I like Akiyama. I just don't know if he's the right fit with the mm-hmm. Reds. Robert, you you're kind of a Japanese guy. I feel like in all our fantasy baseball <laughs> teams, you always are getting like the Otani's and the what, the Kikuchi's of the world. Darvish. What do you <laughs> see? Yeah, Darvish. But there hasn't been a position player who's come over and had while. success in a while. So mm-hmm. Shogo Akiyama, what stands out to you about him? Well, for me, it's the fact that he has a decent eye, gets off base. I think he has potential of being a 365, 370 on base guy. I don't know if he'll lead off for the Reds. I, th- I still will question that if you have as good of an eye as Joey Votto, maybe he should be hitting leadoff. But I would say Akiyama's got the eye to be a leadoff hitter, and I look at him as a lighter form of Lorenzo Kane with 15 home runs, maybe 10 stolen bases, and he's going to hit 285, maybe 290, but that might be a little stretch. I, I like I like a lot about it. Look, he's a toolsy guy. Yes, he's older. He's a veteran. He's actually been on some winning ball clubs for his Japanese team that have gone to the postseason a few times. So he has a he has some good experience. I think it's a great fit. I don't know if Cincinnati was the play, but I think it helps his offensive numbers for production. Now, if he goes somewhere else, say like Comerica Park in Detroit, he's not hitting very <laughs> many home runs. That's just what I think. So I think the power is going to be a little bit inflated because he's in Cincinnati. But I do like his overall stature of the speed he brings to the table and the way he's got good contact. I mean, you take the power away, I think he's an Adam Eaton type player. I still think that has a lot of value in today's game. You really uh, like I, the point I Adam think Eaton. He, he I really do. I, really I think do. he profiles as maybe the leadoff guy right now. And, yeah. I, and I'll uh, say and that. I don't doubt that. And I'll I say that, that just because Joey Votto is not the same player right. as he used to be. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this guy's mm-hmm. strikeout rate's going up. His walk rate's going down. He's got the sure signs of decline in age at his in his age 36 season so i have big concerns about joey Votto. i think akiyama is kind of the old school leadoff robert which mm-hmm. i know you like yeah um but i think he could be pretty solid i don't really see anyone else in that lineup who can lead off <laughs> no i was yeah. hoping akiyama would go to the diamondbacks to be honest <laughs> yeah i'm sure you were <laughs> well, the, even the marlins were talking to him and the marlins have a lot of yeah. outfielders so. right um yeah, yeah. I, he, I think he, he doesn't fit in well in terms of like how many outfielders they have, but in that lineup, he's a, he's probably the ideal leadoff guy. Oh, I think he's yeah. perfect for uh, that and, offense. And he, I mean, Shinsu Chu was with the Reds for a while, mm-hmm. and he this guy has a little, very similar stat line to him. The only thing I have is, I mean, I don't know, when when's the last time a Japanese hitter came over to America yeah. uh, to tools. play? It's been a while. And, and I think pitch, yeah. pitching has developed. I mean, remember Byung-ho Park, that was a... Fun that was experiment. Korean. Terrible. That was Korean. Oh, yeah. you're right. That was Korean. Um, but you're thinking like Norichiko, uh, or no, not who was yeah. Nishioka. Aoki. Aoki. Nishioka. Aoka. Nishioka was back a in the failure. Yeah, yeah. and speed. and so I mean, pitching has evolved so much. I don't know. I don't watch enough Japanese baseball, but from my way I know is major leagues. There's a lot of fastballs, high fastballs, nasty stuff, and and so pitching is a lot different. So I wonder if coming over from Japan that hitting philosophy is going to be a lot more difficult to achieve because of the nasty stuff that you're going to be facing. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I'm looking at this Reds rotation right now, and I love it. I mean, the top three, 
I mean, underrated might be like one of the top five, top threes in baseball. Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, and Trevor Bauer. That's pretty nasty. It's steady. It's it's good. I mean, there's a lot of ifs with with all of those arms, though. But I think they are. I mean, I wouldn't say it's lights out. By any means, but I I agree with Luke. But I think it's very they're not lights out, but they have the they have throughout. the ceiling of being lights out. Like right. mm-hmm. yeah, all three of these guys have had down years. Trevor Bauer had a down year last year. Mm-hmm. Castillo and Gray, pretty solid. But I would say it's more likely than not that they have good years in 2020. Like just uh, yeah. given I their mean, body of work, given their stuff, they have just the good stuff that that endures. This this rotation, honestly, and you might disagree with me on this. To me, it reminds me of the Mets a little bit in that the ceiling is so high, but the floor can also be pretty low. And with it's, it's, with, it's with all of these arms. I mean, besides Castillo, I think I have more faith in Castillo and maybe Bauer, but Bauer still had a really bad year last year. Um, it's like, you know, they could be really good, but they could also be really, really bad in tank. I could, yeah. I could Wade Miley's well. one of those guys. He's definitely a low floor <laughs> guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, he could fall off the cliff. He, like he, he could honestly have a 70 hour at the end of April and be released. He gets wins. <laughs> yeah, he gets wins because that matters. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Old school way. I know. But hey, he gets wins. That's what he's known for. Yeah. He yeah. Wins. That's what he's known for, I guess. Um, but look at their bullpen. It's actually pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's decent. Rossiel Iglesias is a decent closer. Michael it's underrated. is solid. It is. Got the infamous. They have Jose De Leon. I didn't even realize. Oh, they traded for him in the oh, offseason. I didn't even know yeah. that either. What? He's a yeah. former top prospect. Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. He's your guy. Well, Almost traded for Brian Dozier. Yeah, he's gonna... my guy, but he's definitely, <laughs> he's, he was on my radar for years, yes. He's your prospect turned rotation guy. Yes. Turned uh, bullpen guy. Exactly. <laughs> like Frankie Montas, <laughs> except for he's a starter again. So He took a while to break out. No, but yeah. like I no, would he hasn't say, really broken out yet. For me, like the Reds, for example, right? They have Aquino, who's a very interesting outfielder that they could mm. maybe move if teams don't get, yeah. say, Ozuna or Castellanos uh. in free agency. I think, I, and I don't know where the market is with the outfield. It sounds pretty slow. It's not going anywhere. It's not picking up. But if it does pick up, and one of those teams misses out on two of those players I named. Aquino could be a pretty intriguing piece. I mean, he's got you know yeah. weak power. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got, got a hose. I don't know yeah. where I don't know where his market is. I don't know how he values at the end of the day when he's you know at his best. But boy, we saw some bombs fly, and I don't know if that's just a fluke or what. But the exit velocity doesn't lie, right, Luke? Yeah, I, I think he's got the he's for sure got the power. I worry about the on base skills player, yeah. and the everything right. else. But I, he's I, got I, the bombs. Think, I mean, I don't think it's, the outfield value is very high right now for yeah. For he needs. Teams. He needs another year, and also, yeah, I mean, how many? If Castian, if the outfield market was hot, Puig and Castellanos would be signed by now. Right. So, I mean, if if they get signed, I don't think any team's gonna be like, oh, dang, we missed them. Let's go trade for someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, corner outfielders have probably been most are like the least valuable they've ever been right now. Like, Which there's is pretty rare. So, there's so weird. many good corner outfielders though. Yeah. But I He's going to make them, too. But some of them aren't pl- like good defenders anymore. Like Mar- Marcel Zuna had that one really good year with the Marlins. He was a great defender. Now he's fallen off. Castellanos has never been a good fielder. Not even going to bring that up. Like He's just a yeah. horrible fielder. But his stick, yeah. is play- his stick plays. That's what's so valuable about him. But you don't want to put him in the outfield because he's such a bad fielder. Can't even put yeah, him at exactly. third base. He was so bad at third base. Yeah. He's awful at third base. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm going to wrap things up with a name game here, and then we'll uh, send our listeners off. And like I said, we're going to have a lot more discussion about these teams when we do our prediction show in March. So make sure you're uh, tuning in for that. All right, so the name game I gave the panel was Memory Winter. And Noah, you're the only one that said yes? Yeah. Uh, you're wrong. Ooh. Damn. Ah. Quick attack. I had, I had my fist ready to pump it, and then you no. You caught him leaning. 
No. Robert and Nick are right. Nick Noah was wrong. Snow. So, sorry, bud. <laughs> All right, so next, next time, week, bud. this time, we'll know if the Vikings are playing the Packers in the NFC Championship. I think it'd be fun. Let's do a prediction. Ooh. Does that happen or not? I say uh, no. I got Seahawks. I say Vikings. one of the teams drops. One of the teams drops. I got okay, Seahawks. So everyone's saying no. I say yes. We no, Nick says yes. Packers. Okay, we're holding this you to it too. Football knowledge. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let freezing cold takes on Twitter know if you get it wrong because they'll retweet you. There you go. Beautiful. I need some publicity. <laughs> All right. Good weekend of football. I know it's a baseball podcast, but make sure you go Vikes. Skull. We'll do the skull chant. Go Star win. Wars. Go you Seahawks. Can, you heard it here first. No, don't go Seahawks. Go Packers. <laughs> I can't believe I'm cheering for the go Packers, home. but go Vikings wow. and Packers. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in today, guys. Uh, just a reminder, we're on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, rate, subscribe, f- uh, share with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, send your questions to be featured on a future show at thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. That's thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at stitchespod. That's at stitchespod. And like us on Facebook. Um, we appreciate you guys listening in today. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.